Welcome to the Discover BAM podcast, where we explore the stories and journeys of those that are using business to accomplish the call to missions. If you've never experienced or explored business's mission or even heard the acronym BAM before, business's mission is the intentional integration of business and ministry to create a sustainable missional presence of the kingdom of God in a particular community. And today we have a powerful, moving story about Grant and his wife and family who are using coffee and the relationships it brings to literally save lives. So we're going to have Grant share his story, and you're going to hear more about his journey and his challenge to get uncomfortable with the lost. Let's uh, let's kind of go ahead and dive in, talk about your story. Grant, I'm glad you're here with us today to kind of share your story about BAM and and how the Lord has used that in your work. Um, but maybe just as a way to start off, could you give us a little bit of background on, on you and your family, just kind of your journey of where you came from uh, leading you up to going on the field as a worker? I, uh, me and my wife, Molly, uh, we were both raised military kids. So we were raised traveling around the world, Europe mainly. So we moved around a lot, went and uh, did our own things, went to college and university and everything. I was raised in Assemblies of God uh, house. My dad was, you know, a Trinity grad, even though he went in the military afterwards. And uh, so I was uh, raised around the gospel, but, you know, uh, plowed my own path for a while and uh, went into the military uh, eventually and was looking for that, you know what I mean? Just that contentment in life. You know, I thought, you know, growing up in the military, it's just, it was comfortable. I went back to it um, and uh, was in the military when I came back to Christ. Um, and then Molly, we were dating, she came to Christ, we got married. And then, um, but pretty quickly knew that we were, we were called into missions, probably knew it my entire life, but was running from it. My brother, my older brother said he was called into the ministry at five. And so anything he did the rest of his life, if he varied from that, remember, you were called in the ministry. So I was probably more hesitant of, of saying anything <laughs> going into the ministry. Uh, so I got out of the military, moved down to Florida. We were in Georgia at that time to go to Bible school and get that training that we needed. And then 9-11 happened and I was called back into the military and I was with a, I was in the Air Force. I was with the Special Operations uh, Squadron in the Air Force and was deployed over to Afghanistan and Pakistan. So, we, you know, we knew we were called into missions. We were wanting to go. We didn't know where we were going to go at this time. A lot of people, I think, are this way, or at least I'm this way. If I don't know, I like to try to give God suggestions. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, um, right. What would, what would be a good place to be, where to go, or, you know, those kind of things. And um, we felt like, you know, Europe or um, even the Middle East uh, with my uh, a lot of activity. I spent uh, probably about two and a half years in the Middle East while I was in the military um, on different deployments and everything. So I, I you know, just became familiar with that area. And uh, so like, you know, I was sitting there one morning 
in Pakistan and the sun was coming up, the morning call to prayer was happening uh, right off the base. We could, you know, hear the loudspeakers every day. And I was just frustrated. You know what I mean? Just everything didn't make sense to me or it wasn't going Mm -hmm. the way I thought it should go. And um, I was, uh, you know, I'd like to say I was praying, but I was complaining to God, Mm -hmm. just saying, God, God, we we've said yes to go, but how do we get there from here? It just doesn't make sense to us. And um, as that morning call to prayer, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and he said, do you hear that? I said, yeah, I hear it. He said, but do you understand what they're doing? And, you know, I had been in the Middle East a lot, so it was just background noise to me by this time. You know what I mean? The morning, mm-hmm. the, the calls to prayer that were going on. And I said, no, um, I don't understand. He said, what they're doing is they're crying out to a false God that can't do anything for them. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And he said, that's what I want you to do is I want you to take my, my word to this lost and dying world. I said, we're willing to do it. We already said yes, but how do we get there from here? How do we get from where you've called us to from where I'm at now? How do I get trained up? So, so you know, it, we didn't know when I was going to be released, but after a year and a half, they, in 2003, I was um, released, uh, asked if I wanted to go, and I said, yeah. And so we started that journey again. So in 2000, we were called, and... Um, this is 2003 now, the preparation uh, time, but we still didn't know where to go. You know, uh, we were still just struggling with it, uh, where we thought we should go. Those doors just were always closing. You know what I mean? They just, mm-hmm. it, we just didn't feel peace about it. So my dad was a pastor in Illinois and, and they went to the mission field and they went to Vietnam. And I, we were probably hesitant no, not probably. We were hesitant of going to Vietnam because we wanted to, to go our own way, do our own path. But just the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts and just showed us the need. At the time, I think it was about 82 million people in the country, and we had three AGWM workers in the entire wow. country. So, you know, uh, separately, me and Molly both just felt a confirming of Vietnam's where it's at, uh, where, where God is calling us to. And finally, uh, we we let that be known, you know what I mean, that uh, we told people like we feel like it's Vietnam. We started talking to the different area directors, regional directors, my my folks. We just had a piece about it. Never been there. Never been on a mission trip. I never visited Vietnam before we moved there. Um, we used to get this when we were first itinerating, when we were first going out, people would ask us, well, have you been to Vietnam before? We we're like, no. And they would say, well, how do you know if you're going to like it? And it just never dawned on me that I had to like what God was calling me to do. Because because of being military, we never had a choice in our assignments or anything. <laughs> and, and so I just, I, would, I just said to people, I said, does it matter if you like what God's calling you to do? Does that, does that mean that you can answer that? You can say yes to that call if you like it, but if you don't like it, you can say no. So I guess we were coming at it from a different perspective of we've never tried anything out before. We just jumped in both feet, you know, and just and just did that. 2005, we into 2005, we were appointed as MAs to go to Vietnam. 
And then in 2007, we, we arrived in, in Ho Chi Minh City with our two boys that were at, at that time four and two years old, Logan and Grayson. And uh, that's kind of our journey to, to missions. I want to go back to that phrase that you said earlier of how do we get there from here? Did that repeat in your mind when you landed in Ho Chi Minh City? I mean, or was it pretty obvious, hey, here's what we do? I mean, you talk about like there's three workers there in the country of millions. Do you feel like you repeated that question? How did you answer that? And how did business play into the answer for that? We were fortunate to be able to walk when we got to Vietnam, the business had just been started. So the process had been going on um, because there was no other opportunity. But I, th I think, yeah, I mean, how do I get there? God has never called me to do something that I wanted to do. And for me, this is how it is, because I'm doing the things I want to do. He's always had to call me to do things that maybe I didn't want to do, that I didn't see to do, or I thought that I wasn't qualified to do. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so when I, I've seen that through, I mean, just the call of missions, like, God, I've never been to Bible school. How do I get there from here? You know what I mean? Like, okay, <laughs> so you have to get out of the military. You got to go to Bible school. You know what I mean? You got to get trained. And then, um, yeah, it's just, I think that's all it's in my cases, it's always been like, this is what I'm calling you to do but there's always a preparation time. Like there's stuff you have to do to get in order to be able to fulfill the call that I have for you. So tell us a little bit about the business. Maybe just explain what it's like to do missions work in Vietnam. You know, some people might have this perspective of missions is everything's closed off or others might have the perspective of it's, you know, like doing church down the street with just a different language and different faces. So what is it like to be a worker in that country? Even to today, we are not allowed to be there with a missionary visa. So we have to, there has to be some type of other visa platform to be able to get into the country and stay. So um, you, we have to you know, do something else um, or team up with a business or English center or some, some way to, to get a visa to stay in the country. So, but when we first got to Vietnam, um, the Vietnam has a national church, but it was not a recognized national church at that time. So they didn't, they were not a registered national church. So they were underground they were in the process of registration so they were known about but they were not legal so we we could have limited contact with them you couldn't just show up at services or you know what i mean do those mm -hmm. do those kind mm -hmm. of things and so that's where the coffee shop that's where it came out of it's like okay so how do we stay here how do we do ministry and in this country and we just looked at the things around that they valued they valued coffee. It's the second largest producer of coffee in the world. Vietnam is. They hang out at coffee shops all day. It's not un, unusual to have business meetings, you know, just being at being social at coffee. Um, and they valued at that time, and they still do English. English, they said English is your pathway to success. So how do we take the things that the, the culture we're in, the Vietnamese culture valued, and how can we be an asset to that? And so that's where the coffee shop came. 
that we would have a coffee shop that had dedicated time where people could come practice their English because we knew we didn't want to teach English. We had already taught English some and and the relationship wasn't there between a teacher student. So we wanted to foster something that built relationships with lost people. I believe mm. as, a, as a believer that if you're not in a relationship with a lost person, how do you impact the lost world? You know, we have to be in relationship. And so we just, they would uh, come to our coffee shop to practice English and they still do. Um, and we would just start sharing, just talking and having good conversation with them. Can you tell us a little bit about the business environment, what the business looks like, where it's located, why you chose that location? Just some of the basic business questions or startup challenges that all businesses have to answer. We'll go from the beginning. We started off pretty small because this isn't, it started in 2006. So everybody was pretty hesitant on business as missions at that time in this type of way. So how much do we invest in something like this? And um, what was said, it said, you know, hey, we're thinking about doing this uh, coffee shop. What do you think? And the endorsement was nothing else has worked in Vietnam. So go ahead. <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I don't see how that's going to work. But yeah, let's try that. So started off small, um, rented a house out in we're in Ho Chi Minh City. So we're in the largest city in Vietnam. We're um, in the largest economic, uh, the economic capital, a lot of universities. I mean, hundreds of thousands of university students in, in our, in our city. And, and the expectation was students, we're going to be able to minister to students. We started out, uh, like I said, small, we, uh, villa, we used the downstairs of this villa for the coffee shop and we lived upstairs. You know, there was three families living in this villa uh, when it first started. That was just how we were going to make it work and, and to financially be able to to float this this operation. But um, we quickly found out that it was a huge, huge desire. People were coming in and um, we were able to have immediate impact on people's lives, so whether it was our employees or customers coming in and just we're able to share the gospel so openly in just normal conversations because the expectation is all Americans are Christians. So to be able to share something about Christianity is not a big deal at all. Like they would they expect it almost like as as a christian nation that you're going to have christian values and we were we we're just able to share with them but so we moved out to a new area of town that was was the plan for it to be the economic uh, area for the city and when we first went out there it was kind of a drop because it was a little further from the downtown and 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 everything but right we over time that area developed in our our customer base just came with us and we grew there for five years in that location. We started out small and as it, as the business grew, we invested more into it. And after five years in that second location, we were like, okay, we're ready to go to like a, let's try to get a commercial spot. 
And we were just fortunate you know, with the economic times. We hit it at a, at a downtime and they were struggling to rent out these places. And we ended up being able to get a retail um, spot right across um, from the river. I mean, it's just a beautiful location. And uh, we got in and um, we opened up and we were, we were in a spot, a great spot, but just a little bit off the beaten path. We were like, man, how are we going to get people down around that corner down to us? Well, yeah. within the first six months, Starbucks opened up next door and they had just came in and that has just boosted our sales like crazy. I mean, it's been a, it's been a benefit for us. So, I mean, we even say, Hey, we're right next to Starbucks on this road. And people are like, okay, really? I know that's you know what I mean? They yeah. And because we're different, what we try to do with our customers and we're saying, Hey, you're getting a little slice of America. When you come in here, we do fret, we do, um, pies, we homemade pies and some American food and stuff. We do coffee and everything, but our uniqueness is our speaking room. So this is where the Vietnamese, um, will, or anybody now we've gone well beyond Vietnamese. Uh, we have Russians coming in, we have Koreans, Japanese, we have all different Asian nations, anybody there, French, they'll come into our room, uh, to the coffee shop. So you come into our coffee shop, you come in the ground floor. It looks just like a normal coffee shop. Um, you buy a drink or whatever you want to buy, then you're, you can come upstairs and you can just chill out work if you want. But we have these two rooms that can seat about 20 people and we're in more or less a big square and we have comfy chairs. We got some couches. We got just regular chairs and it's just what we call our speaking rooms or conversation rooms where you can come in. Anybody's welcome and we can just have conversations and we'll be able to just sit around from so we have one of our team members from eight o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. Our hours are open. Those rooms are always available for people to come in and have conversations. And we're always in there. There's one of us always in there. We have shifts and everything. And so we're helping them too. We're not teaching, but we'll help them say, oh, this, this might be a better word to use in that situation, or this might be... Um, or this is how you pronounce that though. Some of our customers will come in with a list of things they want to ask. You know what I mean? So right. it just, it varies, but we'll talk about current events. We'll talk about, you know, just whatever's going on in the world, whatever struggles, whatever problems people have. And we have just been very fortunate. We just guide those conversations to Jesus. And because I mean, I can make any conversation turn to Jesus now. You know what I mean? After you sit there and talk about it, I can say, you know, uh, or a biblical principle I can get out of it. And through that, over the last 15 years, our team has been able to share the gospel for the very first time with over 40,000 people. 40,000 people. Tell me about that. You know, are there some stories you can share where those conversations led to eternal changes for people um man stories uh we had one young man that came in very gifted talented linguistically this guy i mean he grew up uh one of his parents was chinese the other one was vietnamese so he spoke cantonese and vietnamese was fluent in both of those he had he at the time he started coming into our coffee shop he was a Japanese interpreter for Japanese companies coming into Vietnam and everything. So, mm. and he came to our coffee shop and he was teaching himself English. 
You know, so, I mean, very, very uh, limited English when he got into us. And, but he was kind of a little crass, you know what I mean? And at the time, our team, <laughs> we had a lot of young ladies and, and they just were uncomfortable by him, you know what I mean? Being around him. And I just, you know, encouraged him. I said, hey, let's just, let's just love them. Just, you know what I mean? We can correct them. And I would, I'd say, he would say some things. I'd be like, hey, this isn't, that's not appropriate. Or, you know, that you, you shouldn't say that. And I use it always as a tool of teaching, like just saying, mm -hmm. hey, you know, especially in the business world, because he was in the business. Yeah. And you're, you're gonna, you wouldn't want to say that. Because a lot of times it's TV or movies, they hear things in. And so I was just helping them out. And, but quickly we started to see his behavior start to change. And, uh, you know, we do discipleship classes. So we look at the coffee shop as our connecting point yeah. to, you know, build a relationship. But then we, we, once we see that there's a connection, we like to bring them out and just build a relationship. You know what I mean? Like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with, with this person. And then eventually, uh, Bun was his is his name, and he he wanted to come to our discipleship class. So we just started inviting him to discipleship. No, he's not a believer. You know what I mean? He just he's the Holy Spirit's just drawing him to us. I mean, and when I say he was coming to our coffee shop, he was coming five days a week for seven to eight hours a day. Like really? he was there all the time i mean and and he's a charismatic guy he's a fun guy so people liked him but his but his attitude and his demeanor started to shift started coming to discipleship asking great questions you know and we started uh just you know talking to him he found out we have uh we have a service that we do do um and but it's invitation only because it's not legal. So we, uh, we, you know, he found out about that and we felt comfortable. So we invited him to, he's, he was coming, he was regular attender for years, but still not a believer. You know, um, we went through some just difficult times in his life with him. His father passed away from cancer. We went to the hospital. We were just living life. We were just being friends with him. We were just, you know, you know, loving him no matter where he was, not trying to put him down for what he did or didn't do and those kind of things. And um, over time, he, he was opening up a, 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 his own uh, like little restaurant and he called me, it had been open about a month. I hadn't been able to go see it. And he called me, he said, Hey, Grant, I'd like to talk to you. Can you come out to my shop? I said, yeah, I'd love to come out to your shop. I said, sorry, I haven't been there yet. And uh, he's like, yeah, just come on out. So I took a friend out. We went out to his, his shop and he was showing us around and we were like, man, this is awesome. You know, everything that you got going on here. And he said, um, he said, well, the reason I called you here wasn't because I, I um, wanted to show you the shop. He goes, I wanted you to tell you that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now. And we were just like, that's awesome. You know, just started talking to him about that. That took eight years, hmm. you know, being in relationship. And, and th that is some of the things that we do. We just, we really believe in being in relationship with lost people, whether they come to Jesus or they don't. I mean, we want them to come to Jesus, but if we don't share who Jesus is with the lost people, they'll never come to Jesus. And, and so that's, that's our, that's our heart 
we now have had five people that have gotten saved, didn't know about Jesus at all. They've come to know Christ and they're in full-time ministry now. You got time um, for one more story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to hear it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's one of our, our, one of the first girls that got saved. She came around, she quickly started to hear about Jesus and, and just the Holy Spirit drew her. And I mean, quickly, she, she just, she accepted Jesus Christ and she was excited about it. She's a physics major in university, like one of the top students and everything. And uh, super, super excited. And she's so excited. She goes and tells her best friend about what, who Jesus is. And, she, and when, when she told her best friend, her best, this girl, she never heard of who Jesus was in her life. She, you know what I mean? She didn't know anything. She told her best friend, she goes, Hey, let me tell you that something. And she says, told her all about Jesus and her best friend that she grew up with all of her life says, I know. Cause I've known about Jesus my entire life. Wow. And she goes, she was, she was hurt. She said, how could you know about Jesus your entire life and never share him with me? You know, but at the time the church was illegal in Vietnam and underground. And so this girl was afraid, but, but Quinn just, uh, just went after God and, and she was, she started working for us and she became one of our managers and she eventually, um, she graduated university with a double major in physics and English. And her physics teacher said, what are you going to do with your life now? Like, what, what are you going to do? Her, the, her professor, she says, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm been called into the full-time ministry. And his response to her is, why did I waste my time with you? And her family expectations were huge on her life they, to do, you know, to help the family and take care. Sure. But she never, she never wavered. She ended up working with us. She was the major person to translate the fire Bible into Vietnamese. She ended up meeting a, a study abroad student, American guy, uh, and they ended up getting married. And now they're her, her husband and two children are missionaries to the Vietnamese people in Cambodia. It's just wow. been amazing to see how the, the you know, the, the, the change and the impact that this coffee shop in Vietnam is having. So how do you help those who are in the U.S. who don't really know how to reconcile business and missions? You know, in light of the stories you just shared with us, how do you help them understand the power of bringing those two worlds together? There's 40,000 people that know, have heard, had a representation of Christ in their life that would have never walked into a church maybe didn't even have an opportunity around a church but those people would have never ever walked into a church to hear the gospel and if as as christ followers if we don't take if our expectation is that if we just if people would just come into the church they'll hear about jesus we're gonna miss billions of people because so many places there's no access to the gospel there's no access to the church and maybe there are only access into those areas is through businesses, missions and, and, um, being in relationship with those lost people as business people. 
What have you learned about yourself through business? Well, I never expected to do this. So, um, Mm -hmm. God's plan is greater than my plan. You know, know, I I think just saying, okay, God, if, if this is where you want me to go and this is what you want me to do, you're going to have to teach me, resource me, um, and bring people alongside me to, to help this along, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult road, I mean, in some ways, but it's so rewarding. It's been so rewarding for us, just the lives that have been changed. Why is being in the marketplace so different in, than other missional approaches? Because you're surrounded by lost. Where most other mission, uh, missionary endeavors are surrounded by people that have a relationship with God. I mean... 99% of the people I come in or more are, are lost people. And I think there, there in lies maybe an issue. A lot of believers, especially a lot of people in the ministry are uncomfortable being around lost people. So I, I think my background, not being full-time ministry ever before missions um, helped me because that was normal. You know what I mean? Being in the marketplace, being around lost people, um, lost people don't offend me. I expect them to act lost. You know what I mean? I'm more offended by believers in the way they act than I am by lost people. That's intimidating for a lot of traditional ministry people. They're intimidated by the lost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like it's just, it's out of their comfort zone. They're just not used to being around majority lost people. They're used to being around majority saved people. And that's a powerful realization. Kind of just a follow-up to that is something that you said earlier. How are you coaching those that are going into their field, their area, and helping them see business differently or process through starting a BAM, starting a a business, because you said something earlier that was basically they feel called to a place and then they discover, oh, I've got to kind of do this thing called business. It's not a central passion. It's not a, a first look. Maybe they would even prefer to do something different that was more comfortable. How do they get comfortable with the uncomfortable, either the lost being close contact with them or having to do something that maybe they didn't expect? I think they have to be comfortable with God's call on them. You know what I mean? And where he's called them to and be willing to do whatever it takes to, to take the gospel to loss, to the loss. Um, Now I believe in the things that we have done in in the past or are doing with the church. I just think if we're going to finish the task, we have to put new tools in our, in our bag along with our existing tools to finish the task. Um, but getting people, I think this is a challenge. This is the biggest challenge to businesses missions because most people go into it out of, I can't do what I normally do. Not because I'm called to do business as missions. I want to start a business overseas. I think it's always, I don't know if I've ran into the a person yet that has, 
chose to, to do business as missions from the very beginning. How do you measure success? Um, you know, with most metrics and business being tied to profitability, uh, how do you measure success with the work you're involved with? I guess there's different what levels of success, depending on what you're looking. If you're looking at it from a business aspect, you know what I mean? You're looking at, yeah, profitability and those kind of things. But if you're looking at it from a minute, I think you got to look at it from two sides and you got to have balance. Um, uh, we look at it from the ministry side, uh, how many people, I mean, last year we baptized 27 people, you know, that's, that's success. I think, you know what I mean? People coming into the kingdom of God and following him. Uh, you know, we, so I think it's just how you have to look at it from do two different angles. And this is, I think another, um, uh, struggle in businesses, missions, typically we're good at missions or we're good at business, but to be good at both, is is rare in the in the BAM world. And this is what I tell people that, that I'm talking to when they're talking about starting missions, a, a BAM project. Most people are very good about having the the business side of it at least thought out and you know I mean planned and this is how I'm gonna do this and that. But I see the the gap in BAM is where does Jesus come in? You know, um, and, and they'll be like, they're almost shocked when I say, I said, well, how do you share Jesus in this, in this um, endeavor, in this BAM endeavor? And, and most of the time, what I found is, well, I'm a Christian, so it's naturally going to come through. I said, no. I said, if it's not built into the plan, the business is going to overtake the mission, you know what I mean? The mission of, of, of uh, sharing the gospel. So that's one of the things since we've been asked to be this lead in Asia Pacific is one of my goals is like, how does a how do you build Jesus into your BAM? Like, where does it, how does it express, how do you express him and his truths and his love for lost people? You know, I mean, then there's opposite of that. You got some people that are so missional, their business is never going to survive you know what i mean like you know so they're like you're like well where are you selling anything you're giving everything away you're doing you know what i mean like you, you, so you have this you have these two dichotomies you know what i mean either it's all jesus and no business but they call themselves a bam or they're all business and they haven't worked jesus into that plan so it's just a business running overseas oh that's powerful kind of as a to kind of bring it down to a focus at the end what are maybe three or four practical tips or things you've learned that you would impart to the next person who goes on this journey of business as missions? What are some practical elements you've learned? Building a team is harder than you think. We're, we're just in a unique situation when it comes to building teams. You probably really don't get to interview people like a regular business would. You know, like I'm talking about your missionary team and, and people coming over to work alongside you. So it's 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 a it's much more difficult building a a BAM team than it is 
a business team, just a normal business team. Um, Cause you're, re, you're, you're, re, you're relying on people that are raising support and volunteering and, you know what I mean? I mean, all the aspects that we have with, with BAM. So that, that's a, that's a, a tough one. Sometimes I, I would say another, another aspect is I think people have a hard time seeing the value in a business as missions. You know, like, how does that impact me? How's it helping? They don't get it. Right. They don't, they, even when you, when you share the impact that it has, sometimes it's just hard because our idea of ministry is all based on the church and how big of a, how many people do you have coming to your church? And you know what I mean? These kind of things, um, these metrics that we value in the, in the church world um, is not just in America, it's all around the world. It's the same, the same uh, value, the same values. Um, so it can be difficult showing, you know, people appreciating the value of what's happening, especially at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like at, at, when you're first starting out, it's like all people see is dollars being spent and well, <laughs> where's the return on this investment? You know what I mean? And in, in lives, um, it's a, it can be a struggle when you're not a business person trying to start a business, you know what I mean? Just trying to figure out the things to how to do this. How, mm -hmm. how do I source things? How do I, you know what I mean? Just the operations of business can be difficult it is difficult. It's difficult if you're a business person. It's never easy, um, but it's. I think we're better now at resourcing people. Our, as an organization, we're much better. Um, we have the resources to tap into and and experience to tap into um, and ask questions. Um, so uh, maybe the last question for you: How do you want the business to be remembered? I would say that this is this is a comment we get from our customers. They'll come in and they'll say, some of them will be like, you know why I like to come here? It's because I feel a peace here that I don't feel anywhere else. We know what that is. They might not necessarily recognize what it is, but um, I want to I want the business to be known as a place that people found Jesus. You know, they, they felt the, the presence of the Holy Spirit there. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a story. He, there was this young man. He was riding on his motorbike. He, it, Molly, my wife was at the coffee shop and it was a morning, mid midweek. So, you know, she had about 10 people in the speaking room. And uh, this young man walks in. It's his very first time. So we're doing, she's doing introductions with him. And you know what I mean? Talking, what's your name and everything. He sits down after sharing his name. His name was Lynn, is Lynn. And uh, he said, you know what? I was riding my motorbike by this coffee shop. And he said, something inside me told me to come in. He goes, I'd never heard of this place before. I've never been here, nothing. And my wife just kind of smiled. You know what I mean? She's like, okay, God, you got something planned today. And, you know, he was sharing, you know, everybody else talking, but he, he started sharing about, he had just graduated university. He was, he got a job, things were going good. And the conversation went into a lull. And he said this, he said, 
I'm going to kill myself. And everybody was taken back. We'd never had anything like this happen in the coffee shop before. And Molly just said a quiet prayer and just said, Lord, help me. So she said, why would you want to do that? It was over a broken relationship. His fiance had broke it off with them. And so Molly just says, well, what about your parents? What are they going to do? And he, and he was, he said, oh, they're going to be devastated. Their life's going to be totally changed. He goes, do you have siblings? He goes, I got three younger sisters. And the expectation as the oldest son, you know, I have a lot of family expectations and I'm supposed to take care of my sisters as they go to university, but their lives are going to be totally different. And about that time was our normal shift change time at the coffee shop. And I came in, I had no clue what was going on. So, you know, I'm just like, Hey, everybody, how's everybody doing? You know, you're walking into the room oblivious to this deep, serious conversation that's going on, but I quickly catch on and uh, sit down and, and uh, Molly's trying to tell me what's going on, but everybody's looking at us because the, the rest of the room is just silent. They don't even know what to do, you know? Um, so Molly gets up to leave and she asks, she points at Lynn. She said, Lynn, can you come out in the hallway with me? So they go out in the hall and she says, Hey, can I get your phone number? He's like, no. He says, you can't change my mind. He said, I've already written the letters out to everybody that I need to write letters out to. And I know where I'm going to do it. There's nothing you can do to change my mind. So Molly just said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. So she just prays for him that the Holy Spirit would change his life, change his mind, and he wouldn't make this tragedy. So um, she goes downstairs and, and she, she leaves. He comes back in for a couple minutes, but he's gone. And uh, we tell our team to be on the lookout for this young man, but no one else knows who he is. This is his first time, only time into the coffee shop. So um, we're just praying for him. A couple months are going by. And my family at that time, we were, me and Molly and our boys were moving from one apartment to another apartment. And I know uh, most of you guys, you probably guys would agree with me. Moving has to be one of the funnest things in the world to do, right? <laughs> As a Absolutely. So Absolutely. it's a <laughs> <laughs> My wife, always, Molly, she'll say, she always says, I love to move. I said, well, why don't you show it when we do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you, you see our mindset. We're just, you know, it's normal life. We're living overseas. It's Saturday. The coffee shop's really busy. And from our old apartment to our new apartment, we have to drive by the coffee shop and Molly needed something. So we stop in there and she was getting whatever she needed that day. And I'd gone upstairs. So the, our, our, the coffee shop is really busy on, uh, on Saturday. It's our busiest day of the, the week. I mean, it's just packed out everywhere. So I'm going upstairs to get something. And I look in, we have these glass doors on our speaking rooms and our speaking rooms can fit about 20, 22 people in each one. And I look in the first one, it's completely packed every, you know, in there. And, you know, I look in and then I walk down the hall towards the second room and I look through the glass door and across that glass door, I see Lynn sitting there and I open up the door. And I just smile at him and I say, it's good to see you. And he smiles back at me with this big smile. Everybody else is looking at me like, why is it good to see him and not good to see us? You know what I mean? Like, what's so special about this? Even our Amer our team member had no clue who this young man was. 
So I, I close the door and I go downstairs and I tell Molly, I re remember we're in the middle of a move. So she's ready to share the love of Jesus with everybody. And, uh, and I said, Hey, Molly, there's someone upstairs that needs to see you. And she said, who is it? I said, don't worry about it. Just go on upstairs. You, you, you'll want to see them. She said, I don't have time for this today, Grant. Just tell me who it is. So I, you know what I mean? And eventually she goes upstairs and she looks in that first door and she's like, that's nice, but there's no one I need to see. And she, when she walks down to that second door, she sees him sitting across that room. She opens the door. Lynn gets up and he runs to her. He hugs her. And he said, I'm alive today because of you. That's that. That's what I want to be remembered for is those lives that were saved, snatched, snatched away from hell because of a coffee shop in Vietnam, because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our ministry that draws people off the street that need to hear the truth. That's what I want a coffee shop to be known for. That's powerful. Well, Grant, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your journey. I just hope that others, as they hear this, sense the presence of the Lord and sense his calling and how he can use the power of being there in the marketplace with business under the leading of the Holy Spirit to literally save lives, both now and in eternity. So thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing more in the future about what God does through your wife and you and your work and your team. Well, I'm really moved as I hear Grant's story, and I'm sure you are too. You know, you might be sitting there listening and thinking, how can I be used of the Lord to accomplish the work of His kingdom? Maybe you're not a traditional person in ministry, or maybe you're in ministry, but you're thinking about ways to do it differently or feeling a call to the mission field. And the Lord might be needing to use business to get you access into the place he's calling you. You know, like Grant said, how do I get there from here? And that's going to look different for all of us. For him, it was a coffee shop. For you, it might be something totally different. But as we continue to talk and learn and explore more stories, that's exactly what we want to help you on your journey to do because together we are discovering how the Lord is using businesses missions so stay connected with us follow us listen along as we together discover BAM